0: This is On Carrying a Concern.
1: Stories of friends following leadings into service.
0: I'm Khaled Keith perry
1: I'm Christina Keith perry
0: And we're excited this week to bring you the interview with Benigno Sanchez-Epler.
1: I traveled to his home in Amherst, Massachusetts, and had a very wide-ranging and rich conversation with him.
0: We're going to explore today um, some of the practices of early friends, why Benigno feels like the voice of early friends is an important conversation partner in his own faithfulness.
1: We'll learn about the ways in which saying yes, even a small yes, can open the door to more and more yeses of faithful service.
0: And some of the ways in which uh, calls inward from the divine often lead you into action outward and the relationship between that public service and that inward response.
1: It's a wonderful conversation that also lifts up the context of the Puentes project of New England Yearly Meeting and Cuba Yearly Meeting, which is really a faithful endeavor. And you can find out more information about it in the show notes that accompany this episode.
0: Check out OCACshow.org for all the episodes in this season, as well as Reflection questions to use in religious education. And if you're listening and are planning to use this in your meeting, first day school, or in adult religious ed, know that each segment that is thematically related is blocked off with some music. So you can kind of take a break when a music sound comes in and know that when the music finishes, we'll be moving on to the next section. You do not have to listen to all of it in one setting, although you're more than welcome to.
1: And now let's have a listen to what Benigno has to say.
2: I'm Benigno Sanchez-Epler, and uh, I am a member of Northampton Friends Meeting in the New New England meeting.
3: And, um... When and how did you come to the Religious Society of Friends?
2: This is a story I tell often, and I sort of relish in it. So, um, when I went to to college, um, I was a senior, and I met a young woman who who became my friend who used to get out Every Sunday, I used to get out from Williamstown, Massachusetts, and drive, about a little under an hour to Bennington, mm. Vermont, to go to a meeting, to go to, to go to something. I didn't know what it was, and I found out that it was Quaker meeting, and I had no idea what that was. I had been going to Episcopal church all my life, uh, been very sort of involved in it for you know whenever there was an Episcopal church around. Um, uh, my mother and I, my sister, we, we go. But during the college years, I had been sliding away and doing outrageous things like taking church history courses and therefore, um, bolting from mm-hmm. the church mm-hmm. as such. And so I just met this friend in college and then I just went away. I graduated and uh, <clears throat> it turned out that this young woman, um, was going to end up in England where I had been studying for for two years. Mm-hmm. And so, she basically wrote to me and said, uh, I am going to go to England because I just got the scholarship that you got two years ago. You know, and so you're going your, to be in your college are going so be in college. And part of the letter also said, and by the way, I broke up with my boyfriend. <clears throat> At that point, I was not in any long-term relationship or anything like that. And I said, hmm. And so I basically I basically said, you know, if you don't say no, you don't have to say yes. But If you don't say no, I'll stay in England. And th- this was like uh, in December, and she would get to England in October. So there were like, you know, good... Nine months there when we, right. we still would not be together or, you know, be, you know just be in a so to speak. Did and you
3: correspond. Oh, yes. Uh-huh.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The letters were very intense. Yes, yes. That's great. We talked in December about trying this out. When I went back to Cambridge, England, mm-hmm. in January, I, I kind knew that if this happened, she was going to go to a Quaker meeting when she was a meeting. So, if, I mean, she had driven from Williamstown to Bennington, you know. Uh, uh, she was going to be in a college. It was just around the corner from a Quaker meeting. And I knew that she was going to spend part of her Sunday there. So I said, well, you know, if I want to be with her part of it, for that part of the Sunday, I better figure out where these Quakers are. Mm. And so I started going to a Quaker meeting by myself for about eight nine months before mm-hmm. she got
4: there. Mm-hmm.
2: And I walked into the meeting worship, and I, I basically never looked back. Mm-hmm. And uh, that young lady is Karen, Taylor, and we did get married. and We did bring up children into the Religious Society of Friends. And, uh, and it was one of those um, one of those uh, mischievous things that Spirit does, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I mean, there's nothing mysterious about that particular entry into the into Religious Society Friends. I was not going to go back into the light of the Spirit through any other door mm-hmm. of the Universal Church. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so it was, uh, it was a very, uh, it was a very important, generous gift. And the openness of the Quaker door. To take in somebody who was kind of kicking against the goat of church history, for instance, or all the all the, all the all terrible things that there are in religious dramas. And, right. And, you see, um, it, it was a very it was a very helpful and capacious thing. It was very generous, uh, and uh, we've been have been in 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 quite a meeting ever since.
3: I have to ask: Did you get married under the care of that meeting in Britain, or uh, was it later?
2: Well, one of the things about one of the things about the reasons why both Karen and I become Quakers, in fact, has to do with the possibility that a Jewish young woman.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And a uh episcopal apostate mm-hmm. m- you know may have to go back and do basically family life in the spirit right. under the cover of some sort of uh uh spiritual generosity a spiritual uh, amplitude we call it mm-hmm. that that doesn't demand specific conditions of belonging of of either one of us. Mm -hmm. She, Karen, is Jewish and very much so still and she was educated by Quaker Educational Miracle in New York and Friends Seminary. And uh, one of the things that happened to her is when she left her high school, her Quaker high school, and went to this New England college, she didn't have any intention of continuing to go to meeting or anything like that. Meeting was something that happened to her in the context of her schooling, right? But she actually found herself missing the meeting worship and the some of the particulars
4: mm-hmm.
2: that a woman that age might have gotten in, uh, in, in 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 that kind of setting, and therefore she sought it. And then after that, you know, when she got to England, mm-hmm. we were both. It's been four years, uh not just four years to four years total for me, two years for her. We were very much taken in as a, you know, the kind of young couple that elders love to take under under their wings and uh, mm-hmm. and all of that happened and then we just went to further graduate studies in Baltimore and he, he, there we got on to our first membership, mm. uh, both together at, at, at home with friends in, in Baltimore.
3: Oh, I know that. Me.
2: And we were there for about five years, and then we moved to New England, and that brought the all the way up to, um, 1988.
3: And you moved here to the Amherst area?
2: Yes, and we've been here ever since.
3: Wow. yes. yes years
2: and we started um uh, we started uh going to mount obi and those were the early days of the firm that opened up um, uh northampton friends meeting and uh and actually that's one of the it's a it's actually a great privilege to to be part of the birth of a, uh, of a, of a monthly meeting.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we say, uh, we, we, we sort of use the, the early friends' proposal, proposition that Quakerism is, you know, early Christianity relived. You mm-hmm. know. There's something about the founding of a monthly meeting that really lets you feel the community, the necessities for actually covering particular functions in the life of a a meeting. Because when you come into a church and things are rolling, you may or may not go into the functions or the ministry. But when the monthly meeting is just starting, uh, there are elders who have a sense of what needs to happen. But it still needs to happen. And actually, and people need to be, I mean, the individuals participating in that ferment have to be individually moved of the spirit to take mm-hmm. on those functions and, and and it it's surprising I don't think any one of the people who participated in that beginning is confused about what ministry is because it's it, it's obviously ministry if the the gig doesn't exist before. And then all of a sudden, you are putting together a community of faith. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're inventing Quakerism or anything like that, but just the newness and the the blessed opportunities to invent that spiritual wheel, you know,
4: mm-hmm.
2: where no particular form is obligatory or essential. And, and you're picking up the things about the life of the community that the community needs at that particular moment. You right. know? You don't really have obligations to have fifteen committees, you know. You get the tool that you absolutely need. That, that, you know that, and uh, to 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 start. And so, actually, the, I feel very I feel very fortunate to have had uh, uh, both a uh, a startup in in Quakerism, which is one of these again. Mischievous impulses of the spirit, you know, like you follow a skirt into medieval worship, you know, it's just that simple, right? And then you, we spent some time, uh, being pampered by an elderly that was very, very welcoming. And, uh, and then when we moved into Baltimore, it was a different kind of open door. It was basically an open door unto Onto membership, mm-hmm. where we could look back now, we could see particular gifted exercise of elderly that brought us in, and mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: gave us uh, if not direction, at least a kind of lived example that was very, very enhancing to 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 just. Mm Followed By the time we got to New England, that was, it was simultaneously simultaneously a number of transitions, sort of life stage transitions, right? So we get to New England, and we both have new jobs, we both have a new child, and we both have a new house, and uh, and we have a, a, a new meeting. You know? mm-hmm. and so the new meeting first is, is Mount Obi which is very established mm-hmm. a very established community full of again gifted elders who would say yeah we see that you're very busy but we need you to think about doing this You know? mm-hmm. and bring us out and bring us into the life of the and, and then the opportunity to just Go. Again, experienced friends who were opening up this new house for the spirit.
1: So I wonder what you hear in that initial exchange that I have with Benigno.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing that I think stands out to me to begin with is the degree to which he's so clear and um, easy with things. I mean, he's just excited about the story. Uh, and I think sometimes, well, I know that I sometimes kind of get lost or often will get lost in the um, some of the minutia or some of the challenging parts. And he loves it. He loves to tell the story of how he came to friends. There's nothing sanctimonious about it. It's a great story, has some love in it, has some intense love letters. I loved that part. Um, and, you know, it, it also is kind of, there's some hallmark features in it of things we've heard from a number of other folks. Um, the, the important role the elders in the meeting played to kind of welcome him and fold him and Karen into, um, into the meeting. The important ways in which, um, I think he says, that his experience of Quakerism is that it offers or a nurturing place for family life in the spirit, and did nurture family life certainly. And I think that that's that's powerful and kind of a testimony itself to the to the way it can work. I, he says um, there's no obligations, kind of mandated and you enter into it, and you kind of give of what you can. And I think their family is an example of the ways in which the actual experience and process of it actually is the testimony to the capacity of the religious society. Um, the other thing of, of note in there, which is just worth bringing up because it happens so often when we hear it, is how clearly a conversation around spiritual deepening and, and finding home is so clearly tied to very pragmatic day-to-day things around life transitions. Getting married, going to college, leaving college, moving, first job, second job, home, family, child. I mean, the things that are the things of life are the building blocks of uh, of your spiritual life too. Those things aren't separate. And so to really have a conversation seriously about ministry is also to have a serious conversation about where are you living? Why are you living there? How are you paying your bills? Or is is your call supporting your call to the ministry of marriage, to the ministry of parenthood? Do you have those calls? Maybe you don't, maybe you do. So the, the, the ways in which I think sometimes ministry gets abstracted or kind of talked about in a nebulous sense, very rarely is that way in the actual life of the people we've talked to.
1: I think that's a keen observation. And as we continue to listen to this conversation with Benigno, it uh, will unfold the ways in which What seem like very pragmatic life choices or doors closing and opening in the work world are in fact pieces of preparation for new calls into ministry.
3: About the um, ways in which this process of starting a new meeting really acquainted you with what ministry is—that—that that you said no, you know, no one who was involved in this process would be unclear about what ministry is. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what your sense of ministry is in the Religious Society of Friends?
2: Yeah, uh, I. It's interesting uh, that. Uh, This is the first time that I say it that way,
4: and it makes me want to think,
2: what was I doing in England for the first two years where I was very fully occupying uh, the place of of the seeker, attender, you know? It was very clear that I had I did not have to worry a job about the maintenance of the community or the uh, even the the activism of the community or anything like that. And it was a very gentle almost leisurely refreshing
4: intake into the manner
2: of friends. And the most intense things that happened there was precisely just, you know, conversations with elders. Mm -hmm. And the recognition that the couple, the couple had spiritual legs. And not just the two individuals, you know, but the couple itself as a a unit. there, There was something there. When we got to Baltimore, when we got to Baltimore, I had been out of the country for four years. Karen mm-hmm. had been out of the country for two years. And it was a kind of re-immersion into, you know, the life of the nation in a way. Mm-hmm. And so there were very rich opportunities uh, for entering into the work of the, the work of the, of the and there were two things. One was the our our, our work with uh, the these social uh, concerns. Uh, the other one was our very important engagement with the uh, with the sanctuary movement in that moment. And uh, the other part actually had to do with the. The ignition, should I say, the ignition of uh, the ministries of gay affirming marriage. And we did that in connection with one of the cycles of rewriting or realizing the faith practice of mm. So very early on, the welcome. That the the welcome that the monthly meeting gave us uh, was a welcome to work, a welcome to lead them in particular ways that the monthly meeting was going to be involved corporately with, with certain kinds of activism, and uh, you know, and and a permission, an invitation, and you know, just to, to tinker with the thinker with a wording of the Book of Discipline, <laughs> you know, which is it's quite, it's quite astounding to, you know, be in a of faith for what? 3, 4, 5 years, 4 years and be actually invited to participate in into, into discernment of mm-hmm. you know, what marriage is mm-hmm. and actually writing it down and sending it to Sending it to um, a revision committees at at the meeting, and then landing in the meeting sessions, and you know, and so all of that was very much an inclusion into the life of the I don't think at that point anybody was really
4: pushing for. I don't think, I don't think there was
2: the specific, strong, more intentional sense of ministry that came just a little later. Mm -hmm. There was a very clear sense that we were all, that there there was a very clear sense that there was no laity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was no laity anywhere in and out of those rooms or those processes or, you know, And there was very much the the example and the discipline and the conversations and the eldering which actually focused on the disciplines of vocal ministry, the waiting for the spirit to move you. I think at that point at that point the social involvement or the the social activism um, I think at that point I would have to say that that came more as a part of the social belonging in the community of faith Mm -hmm. than as the kick in the pants of the spirit from within to actually do that particular um, bit of activism Uh, in terms of in terms of vocal ministry, I was receiving very clear messages that that you don't get up just when you want to. You don't. You, you wait.
4: You, you, you.
2: But at that point, the the insistence that the push to be the the, the push to do God's work. Mm-hmm was internal. That had not taken me. That had not caught right then. Um, And so, at that point, I could say, and again, Karen will have a, Karen will have a different uh, understanding about her own growth into this. Um, But at that point, I already knew that vocal ministry was a gift of the Spirit from within. And I got sort of better at waiting and I got helped mm-hmm. uh to know what was mine and could be let go mm-hmm. and what was of the spirit that I had to mm-hmm. figure out whether I would let it go. All of those things and then there was preparation about that. Um, I don't think that I mean at that point I was busy preparing to be uh Preparing to be a teacher, preparing to have sort of professional employment, moving on to a career, you know. And and the business of having a life directed by the spirit uh, was only so with respect to vocal ministry.
3: Did that change? Yes. Do you? Yes. Did that change? Can you point to a moment or an experience or was it uh, over time? Both.
2: (laughs) Both. There's no... uh, There's no road to Damascus, you know. um, (laughs) uh,
3: No blinding light. No.
2: No. But there... But there are great and specific moments of obviously being called. And it's interesting because now that I think about it, it is a call, in my case, it ends up being a call inward, right? But it's a call inward that presents itself as a call into a into a part of my past. And it goes like this. I we got here. We we had already been involved in uh yearly meeting and quarterly meeting attendance and the lights in Baltimore Yearly Meeting and so we knew what we we had we we knew what sessions was. You know. mm-hmm. But here we were. We were going to Montobi, you know, on Sunday, and but we were starting careers too, so it was a, just a different life stage. It was a different, different. And uh, the the Montobi was calling us to do things, and I was asked to serve as a uh, I was asked to serve as an, as an overseer much earlier than. You might have thought would be helpful for the community, you know, <laughs> Stuff like that. But it so happened that the minute that I was called to serve as an overseer, the buzz about the new group in Northampton started, and I actually had no intention of leaving Uh yeah. You know, this is. This is well, five and a half miles from Utenland. Well, seven miles from Utenland. Was <laughs> so, that's humming. It's humming along. And then, we got here in 88, September of 88, August, September of 88.
4: 89,
2: 90. Summer of 91. Mm-hmm summer of ninety one. We're just about to have our second child. You know, our first is a, a three year old, three year old, you know, they're just these are heavy times to 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 think about redirecting lives. Uh, Betsy Casten is clerking the yearly meeting and Jan Hoffman has come back from the world gathering to that that world gathering at at WCC, they met in three different sites, and they're talking about, you know, reading the prophets together with the evangelical friends in the third world, and all that. And out of that ferment comes an invitation to bring to Sessions a Cuban pastor to address the healing, as a keynote speaker. And between one thing and the other, I mean, I have no idea that any of this is happening. Any of this. In Homewood, in Baltimore, we had developed a very clear sense of what Friends United meeting was. Because Homewood is an old Friends United meeting mm-hmm. bastion, you know. <laughs> but I really had no idea about Friends to Eagle Consultation. Um so the, the these meetings of the French Walk Meeting Consultation ends up providing an invitation to a Cuban pastor to uh, come and talk in here. Between one thing and the other, the person that they had booked to interpret disappeared. From. And there was a kind of like scurrying around to see who could possibly interpret. And so, you know, sessions were right here in, in Hampshire College, mm-hmm. and somebody said, it, and they to do it. And so, they called me, and, and I said, sure, I'm not an interpreter, but I'm Cuban, I'm Quaker, I should be able to do something, you know, so, and it was that kind of thing where where the, the, the signs of chutzpah are the signs of an opening, <laughs> you know, something. like, yeah. So, like, you, sure, you know, like, yeah, sure. And I asked for a couple of things, you know. Uh, I asked for a nice afternoon talking to this Cuban pastor.
4: And so, we talked for a an afternoon. And he told me what he had talked about. And I said, sure,
2: just go slow. So, the first time I went to sessions of New England, was in response to this call. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just a call to somebody who can do Spanish and English. It's a call to somebody who left Cuba at the age of 11. Who never knew that there were Quakers in Cuba. Who never knew about different kinds of Quakers. Well, except in the context of French United Nations. And so, whether... I was conscious of the fact that I've been sat by calling when I put the particulars of that event in the context of what else started to happen after that. There's no question that there's no road to, Hama- to Damascus, but it is kind of like, I mean, it's like it's a finding. It is it, it, the community finding a gift, and, and 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 me finding a gift in myself, which I did. not So there, there's a the combination of things, where in retrospect, or pretty close to the event, I can say, I was not an interpreter. I didn't know Cuban friends. I had not a single jot of personal intention to respond to anything in particular about that, you know, right? And I got faced with a very light calling, and I said yes. And so, and there was no—I mean, there was no struggle to say yes. There was no. It was, uh, and again, one way of saying. But there's also another way of saying. This it. is just a. It's a combination of things that uh, lead to a grace filled moment where the gifts are given for a particular sort of work of the spirit. And I didn't seek it. I didn't, you know, I didn't, um, And, and there was an ease of saying yes. That,
4: for me, it, 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 it speaks of a, uh,
2: a deeper mesh between what the community and the spirit through the community is calling me to And that challenge actually takes, and that challenge is the birth of Puente de Amigos' uh, message, hmm. which uh, becomes uh, sort of a little movement inside the union needs. It's also the formation of, and this is one of the things that Quakerism is full of, and people don't know about this a little meeting inside the meeting. The people who are moved by the Puente, uh, the people who are moved by the Puente force, or by the way the Spirit wants to be active that way, right? Mm-hmm. They form a little church with its own ministries and its own breath of the spirit, and its own uh, coherence, its own struggles, you know, whatever. Um, And that little church decides that they're going to take on challenges, and that they're going to think about how to do it, and that they're going to dedicate energies and hope. And then you can see, you can see the hands at work of individuals. And you can see how it really couldn't possibly be their, you know, internal cells or anything like that. There's something else operating that. Mm-hmm. And it also becomes a thing the yearly meeting does. So I think that, and I think that's where I start to, I think that's where I start to realize what ministry might be? So it's not just something that the Spirit tells me to do. It's not just something where God uses my hands to do God's work. No. There's there's that right. There's kind of like a corroboration that I'm doing that and I'm being I'm being individually obedient to an individual call, right? Not to an individual inner push. But I'm also doing it in a context where people around me see and feel what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and they recognize it as work of group mm-hmm. that I think starts me
4: to think about
2: The relationship between being sent uh, the relationship between feeling sent from within. Mm-hmm. The finding of that little church within the church Mm -hmm. that has a vital interest in this particular uh, deployment of the spirit. And then there are the things that start to happen around that that corroborate that A, that you have gifts, or that B, that you were always meant to be involved (laughs) with something like that. That it has ramifications, so for instance, um, Cuentes, Puente, Puente is just something between Cuba and New England, right? But Puente is also something that gets looked at every time there is a French War Committee conference. Mm-hmm. You know, other yearly meetings, they, they really feel, they really feel how the Cubans and the New England friends hang out with each other and what they can talk about and what they can pray for with each other and and there's kind of a hunger in them to have their own sister meeting. So and all of that feels like something else is moving here. And then there comes a moment where the Cuban and Latin Americans they can see this thing happening and then they they can see people clustered around Puente and also clustered around uh, the call to serve Latin American friends in general as interpreters and then as translators. Mm-hmm.
4: And so they get together and they say, oh, we need basic, early,
2: play the like taxi mm-hmm. And so... And then, and then there's a moment when uh, things start to happen, like uh, in careers and professional choices mm-hmm. and things like that. That in most cases would feel like nothing but a drought
4: mm-hmm.
2: or nothing but a. Uh, Diminishment. Mm-hmm. And yet, those professional hard knocks, those uh, doors in the world closing, actually provide time and energy and
4: spiritual space mm-hmm. to
2: do something of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And if a couple of very hard things that happened to me and to Susan had not had happened, uh, and if we had not used the the room that that gave us to work at these translations that kept coming out, mm-hmm. We wouldn't have been able to start accumulating what we if we keep doing. It, you know? I don't think there's room to feel like you know, particularly you know, like well, maybe there is. Um it 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 it's not that the minister is a darling of the spirit all the time or necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. you know but there are. Things that the possibility of yielding to an unforeseen opportunity or even an opportunity you would never have given yourself, you know, and yielding in ways that come from some sort of internal and
4: spiritual direction
2: I think that's the kind of thing that, mm-hmm.
4: that, 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 that,
2: leads me to say, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm a minister.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm a minister. And then they and the, again, and then there's, then there is the validation, not of the world and not of the shine or anything like that, but you know, the validation of those people around you that said, no, you know, wait, wait, don't stop doing that, or, you know, or what you want to stop? You know what? what can I do so that you don't stop? Right. right, And that's where the that's where the issue of supporting of the, support of the ministry right. um, comes in.
1: I really like how when he talks about the way they moved from the Friends meeting in Cambridge, England, to Homewood meeting in Baltimore Yearling meeting, that there was a shift from being leisurely, a leisurely introduction to Quakerism into a period of being invited into the work of the meeting. And he uses this phrase of being invited into the life of discernment, that he was clear that there was no laity in that meeting uh, and that the primary move was of discernment.
0: Yeah, and I I wondered what your thoughts were on that because this is something that often feels fairly divisive for people. Some people um, like to be asked kind of, earlier than might seem appropriate, I'm putting scare quotes around that, to be invited into service to do the work. And that then feels like uh, an ignition point for them, right? So he talks about how being asked to kind of work on the faith and practice of Baltimore yearly meeting was suddenly this ignition point. I felt that way in my experience coming to Friends. People said, oh, there's stuff to do. And I go, yes, let me do things. Some people feel as if it's inappropriate to early on ask people to do the work and and I have I've heard it both ways that some people say inviting people into the serious work of a meeting not just the fluffy stuff but the real work of the meeting deepens them into the spirit and into the life of that community and other people saying when you show up especially as like a young person or a young family and people immediately ask you to serve on a committee it's a turnoff you're just looking for a community and I think this is yet again another one of those things where, context and relationship entirely matter if people hadn't ever asked me to do anything i would have peaced out i had to be asked immediately to do a lot and to do enormous amount of work and like that's what i did with my entire life for two years pretty much quaker 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 that's all that my life was other than randomly getting up at four in the morning to open up the pool at the ymca right without that period of what about this committee? What about that committee? What about this workshop? What, like, that's what happened to me. I wouldn't have gotten formed the way I need to because I'm too all over the map unless I have really dedicated time to it. I think for other people, they they can't have that. They need to ease into it and, and maybe not be asked right away. I, I don't know. So I, I think this is interesting because this often comes up as a, how do you approach people who seem to be interested? And and what do you do and how do you handle that? And, and Benigno's story, is I think indicative of, of one version of it where that invitation to serve on faith and practice committee down um, in Baltimore was significant and so then the question becomes is his story or ought his story be normative or what are, you, what are your thoughts on how this works out do, do, first of all, do you understand the tension there
1: I certainly do and I don't think I, I think that we can't ignore the fact that he spent four years, in or maybe three years four years out of the country but three years just about worshiping in cambridge where he says he didn't have to worry a jot about the running of the meeting he was free to be a seeker and then in baltimore yearly meeting was given work to do and that really i mean that sort of parallels my experience i came to friends as a young adult at berkeley monthly meeting on vine street and was handed Isaac Pennington and William Penn and Douglas Steer edited volumes and invited into book groups. So classic seeking seekers kind of introduction. And not too long after I was invited to give my opinion about peace and social concerns, allocation of funds for the year and invited into work parties where I experienced a life in community.
0: Okay. So one of the things that he says, which I think is very interesting, um, is that he talks about how the disciplines of vocal ministry and the disciplines of waiting for the spirit to move you to speak in meeting for worship are the fundamental building blocks of what later emerges for him as ministry. He says it started out with only or just the learning and the discipline of vocal ministry, but then those disciplines eventually became disciplines that he used for his whole life. And I think that's a really beautiful way of talking about how our expectant waiting worship, for those of us that have that tradition, uh, kind of forms the the path that we then later walk on if we are turning over more of our hours per week to um, discernment into, into following a leading. And I actually think that if we step away from the idea of meeting for worship, an expectant meeting for worship in unprogrammed style, I think it's probably also true that what we're talking about is discernment and the practice of discernment, when you're sitting in your seat in an unprogrammed meeting, is the thing that gets extrapolated out into your quote, whole life. And that it doesn't have to be just meeting for worship where you practice discernment, but that the thing that at question here is the practice of discernment and that the more of your life you give over to the prioritization of discernment and the leadings that come out of discernment, as opposed to momentum or just desire, the, the more your life Kind of, kind of blooms into ministry, that, that it happened for him in meeting for worship, but that really the thing that's happening there is discernment. What do you, what do you think about that?
1: I think that's true. He talks about the, the business of having a life directed by the Spirit was only true with respect to vocal ministry for him at that, early, at that early point. And that business of having your life directed by the Spirit is the business of discerning what is of the Spirit and what is of the world.
0: So, as far as I can tell, the idea here is that you are bound up in your community and you are bound up in your own wrestling with God. And he has this, maybe we could call it like a theology of collaboration, right? Where he says, part of what you're doing is feeling God in you pushing. And that movement then interacts with the people who are around you who are seeing that push in you and responding. And you are kind of caught in the middle between how God is pushing you in the world and the way that your community is responding to the way you've been pushed by God in the world and the way you've acted out based on your experience of that push. And then you feel sent and you... Find that little church of people who are going to help you refine that sense of God working in your life, refine your decisions around how to act in the world as a result of that experience, and you'll end up working together. I don't hear at all, in the way he talks about that, the little church being uh, a division or an offshoot or a schism. Or like a cabal or anything like that it's it's kind of a description of just like how you find your people that doesn't mean that the rest of your meeting isn't your people but that they're the ones who kind of work with you work on you work through you kind of rough you up in a good way to help you figure out how you can more fully kind of um, live into what you need did, did you hear that does that does my tracking on that track with you. I mean, what that seems like a nice little descriptor, the little church.
1: Yeah, I I, I heard the, the church within the church is something that not, it does have its own coherence. They had their own struggles. They had their own challenges and their own work that they were called to do. And they were also part of New England Yearly Meeting, clearly a part of New England Yearly Meeting, not set apart from it. And probably working like Levin, like yeast in the yearly meeting to enliven it and the experience that he talks about the corroboration of the individual call and having that call be pulled out by the spirit working through community
0: right and and the way and this confirms with some of the other things that we've heard from other folks is that part of what it seems like the call of ministry is almost by necessity, brings you back into a state of reflection on, on the experiences you've had previously, right? He says that the call inward pushed him into a recollection and remembrance of a part of his past, right? So that part of what's happening is you're learning about different ways to tell your own story or you're making decisions about different ways you want to tell your own story as a result of the story that is kind of being written and will be written. Um, it's a kind of a narrative shift. We've heard that from a number of folks.
1: That's right. I just wanted to to lift up the ways in which he said that the, the first yes was an easy yes.
0: Yeah, yeses it, yield yeses.
1: It wasn't a huge yes. It was uh, that initial yes was light, but it led to grace-filled moments where gifts were given for the work of the Spirit and, and more and more yeses.
0: Yep. Uh, yeses yield yeses.
3: talked a lot about just sort of um, different ways of being prepared. Mm. That's a word that sort of came to me, like that you're, you were, even from the, the very first of walking into that meeting in England, having that sort of luxurious couple of years to just be a seeker and to experience with um, the, that openness and the and to be to be seen by some some elders who are mm-hmm. willing to, to to see you and to maybe you know till the ground a little bit or encourage you to till your own ground mm-hmm. um to from there to the professional hard not like it's all preparation mm-hmm. clearer in hindsight
2: mm-hmm.
3: um as it all is. But.
2: Actually, it, uh, it, it, this is, this is interesting. It is preparation. And there is preparation that's undertaken like tilling. Mm-hmm. And there is, and, and, and actually the experienced minister does get to know that the fruit of the spirit requires some, you know, tilling and planting and pruning and wintering and you know all, all of that mm-hmm. comes and you know comes comes into place um but it never feels programmatic
4: mm-hmm.
2: okay it never feels like i'm going to do this so that 3 months from today i can meet and nail down the sermon you know right. uh, it it doesn't doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like uh uh oh I have to I have to go into translation school so that i you know I can be a better quicker translator and no, it has more to do with there's an opening there's an opportunity for you to grow into a gift mm-hmm. Launch. And 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 again, it's not. Sometimes, you, sometimes it feels like the task is given, but most of what it feels like is that the gift comes and blossoms
4: internally,
2: and that's I mean, the gift. The gift is one of uh, Samuel Bones' most comprehensive names for that of God and you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when he says let the gift work through you, uh he's not saying any he's not talking about any particular talent, you know, he's talking about God within uh or or uh, let, let the gift be called out from you, you know. So there there's phrases like that that that, 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 that 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 And the gift is uh know, yeah, multiple free. It's really interesting. One gets a little more. Um, it's not daring. It's the very opposite of daring, you know. Right? It's a, it gets a little more. It gets easier to say. Sure. I I can say yes to that, but I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need some elders. To push me through this threshold or to, you know, to, you know, to, I, I, I know what I need, you know, it's so like, it, 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 it's, uh, uh, to, to pray me into my own mm. best connection with the inner forces, you know, to, you know, all, all, and all of that. You get, you get better at asking, asking for those things. Yeah. And, and that, that's an interesting part of, the of what the questions entail.
3: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you do so do you currently have an oversight committee that cares for your ministry?
2: Yes, okay. I I have I have a I have an oversight committee that reports to worship the ministry of my denomination. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have just gone through a process. Oh, let me let me just say one of the things that I haven't said is that between. Say between that first response
4: of, um, yeah, I'm going to interpret
2: for the human friends coming, and then, oh, yeah, I'm trapped by the spirit into this Cuenta de Amigos movement. There are things that happen in there, and one of the major things that happens is right. the handing over to the discipline of in the ministry. With all of the, the overarching, um, carefully, historically
4: documented and explored, um, mm-hmm.
2: why, do you, why do you do it? How do you know that you're sent? We can talk about individual leading. We can talk about the ups and downs of being faithful to an individual leading. Uh, we can talk about uh, uh, the the things that don't go away that you start calling sustained ministries and stuff like that. But the thing that's coming to mind that maybe an important wanting to start theorizing or at least acknowledging is that it is possible for. All of these things about which we could be directed to to come together in some sort of Mm braiding, kind of like reinforces each other. Mm -hmm. We have to perhaps start thinking about tests for what can be carried. You can carry a leading, you can carry two uh by the time you take five on you're probably be unfaithful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so so the so so the the, the 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 coherence of uh what's doable inside of a course of faithfulness
4: mm-hmm.
2: it's the kind of thing that we should. Consider as well, and the braiding is an interesting metaphor because the strands don't have to be the same width all the time.
3: Mm-hmm. 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 Do you think that that this co- is the coherence related to the like if there's a relationship or a coherence if uh, if the leadings start to braid, does it become more possible to sustain? carrying multiple concerns or carrying multiple leadings at one time because the strand is stronger for the braiding
2: yeah i I mean maybe i might be pushing no 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 no. but maybe maybe and i think there's something about uh, there's something about braiding that invites us to do that and i think braiding works but i think uh when when you started saying that and the it, it sounded like that rope was getting thicker and thicker and thicker. Um, I say, well, there comes a point where we have to stop being greedy about it. and And this is something that I've actually... It's, it's one of those pastoral shorthands that you have to pull out every now and then when uh, you see a good minister getting burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually, in the pastoral tradition, the pastor. Pastor is for the is for burning, you know, in in in, in many parts of the of the, of the pastoral tradition, and, and then the the shorthand that it that pulls that that comes up uh, from a very sort of uncouth kind of eldering is just turning around and say, friend, who might you be
4: stealing that ministry from? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 so, uh, it, 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 yes, the, the, the there there is a there's a there is an important thing about the intentionality of braiding the, the leadings, hmm. the, the the but the humility to lay some things down. For
3: and how did you find that tradition of discernment and grounding and support for trial? I mean, was it? Was it because you started to work on the translation of these texts and you became exposed to it or
2: I think in part I mean in part it's it's finding myself surrounded by the right Quakers uh-huh um, And actually putting together some limiting things with the possibility of resorting to this to this historical thing so for instance when the my, the first the first call to travel in the ministry is my call to go for me personally to go back to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was a an incredibly difficult moment in Cuban ministry to go back to Cuba. There was no transportation. There was mm-hmm. And uh, so when preparing to go back to Cuba their basic questions like, yeah, sure, you can fly now. There's flights from here, from Montreal, but how are you going to get there? And once you get there, how are you going to move? from And so things started off pop. So, oh, we'll do bicycles. And by the next time, he says, wait a minute, bicycle? The guy who just said that he was going to go with you, it's 75 years old. Is he going to do bicycles too? And and he said, "Of course, I'm going to do bicycles." And then somebody says, "You guys better check that. You guys better find out what it is to do this, you know." And and so at that point, uh, you know, uh, there is a Jan Hoffman over here, and there is a uh, Marsh Dollar over there, you know, and there are, there are like heavy people Mm who are saying, Mm -hmm. saying, yeah, you should think about it. And there are ways of doing that. And so, and so they can, they can help what in fact was a pretty new monthly meeting Mm -hmm. to actually review, come through, make up, reinvent these Quaker wheels that are actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're very experienced elders in, uh, in in Northampton Friends in that founding group. But there's also some very keen newer, younger people who are excited about this historical mm-hmm. thing. So uh they can say, Oh, if we have to provide for Benigno a tight effective sounding board for checking to see whether, yeah. you know. And so they get together and they grow into the gift. Mm-hmm. They grow into the gift of eldering, of eldership, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. it's really quite astounding. And, you know, and they, and these are very reasonable people who, before you know it, start asking questions, like, why can't you say that God is asking you to do this? And they have to answer.
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: then they say, isn't there anybody else who can do this? Yeah, like, and then they, they going, to say, aren't you too proud of the fact that you're the one who's going to do it? Yeah, <laughs> Excuse me, you know, like, like, and they start developing, and I don't, and, and and you don't know whether they catch it from what they've read from their communications with the tradition, or the, or from their own internal sense of that they would need as a check in or as a check out you know. But, but they grow into the gift of elderly. Mm-hmm. and 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 sure, as Jan Hopkins hovering, you know, mm-hmm. and sending you. And then, this, and then this, and she also finds models for the minute, the traveling, minute, the,
4: mm-hmm. you know, what
2: the letter entails, what the letter does. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: She says something that she must have read somewhere. Says,
2: that letter is supposed to work so that the minister knows what the errand is. And so the minister isn't burdened by going away or out of what the errand is.
4: Mm-hmm. That's very freeing. Yes, yes. It's very freeing. Yeah.
3: Did you take a travel minute on that first?
2: Absolutely.
3: True.
2: Absolutely. And it, it and it was interesting because I don't think uh I think I think the tradition of travel minutes was there. Mm-hmm. But I think the particulars of going abroad with the kind of perilous situation of going to Cuba and the fact that two governments had to be kept sort of both informed and with, you know where where this church had to figure out a way of making it very clear that we were going to do this and all that. That all of that was actually served in the spirit by the reactivation in the spirit of uh, of, 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 of of a uh, uh, an enabling practice. It was not a form at
4: all. It was
2: not a form, but.
4: First time I came back. <laughs> the first time I came back, um, <laughs>
2: the first time I came back from Cuba, and I entered the United States again on the border here. You know, I said,
4: so "Where are you coming from? I said, uh, "I said
2: from the airport in Montreal."
4: But just come back from Cuba,
2: and then the guy said, hey, to "He kind
4: of say."
2: She looked at me. He said, well, "He didn't say like he said, well, you could have just said that you came back from the airport in Montreal. Why did you have to complicate things by <laughs> saying that? By saying that you came back from Cuba, and then so, and so went like, to like pull out the travel minute. and so he read the travel minute. and you can feel." You can feel the witness working in a way that's kind of like... uh it, it, I mean, it, it, he's confronting a form, right? But it's a lot more than a form, you know? That's it, and and, power. And, 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 and really felt like, not just focused on the errand by the twelve minute, but I kind of felt like I had my monthly meeting with me. Mm-hmm. Those are the parts of the good news that Quakers... Could be a little more voluble about. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And either either uh, explicit, or on the one hand, explicit, so that you can talk about it when you're moved to give evidence of that, uh, and also more intentional in seeking it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not just intentional in seeking it. But it's intentional in seeking, also intentional in knowing that it's there. Uh Yeah. So that
1: it's, uh, yeah. So you looked pretty excited when he was talking about that border crossing and the travel minute. What was happening for you there?
0: Oh, buddy. Benigno is so old school. It's like awesome town. He... He talks a lot about like recovery and was it
1: reactivation,
0: reactivation of these practices. And he's doing it with this kind of spirit that's full of life and joy and laughter. And I flipping love it. He, he's got two, two lines that are like weighty glowing pieces of delicious, honey-filled poetry pastry. And what are they? The first one he says is when he's talking about the travel minute. And he says, the Travel Minute is not a form, but an enabling practice. And I love it. Of course, it's a form. Like, it's literally a form. You can turn to the back of Faith and Practice and look for the form and fill out the template. It's literally a form. And the point of it, the power of it, the weight of it is in the fact that it enables connection. It enables connection between you and the divine, between you and your community, between your community as a whole, with you in it and divine, all of that stuff kind of plays out. It's an enabling practice. And oftentimes we think about enabling in a negative way, but here, what we're talking about is a life giving practice, right? The thing isn't the form, but we need the form to Help us give way to it. Ah, oh, we don't need the form. The form can help to deepen into that power and that connection.
1: What's the second line? What you said there were two lines of that were almost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So the second part of it is when he's talking about practicing that form, right? So he's talking about the travel minute in general, and he says it's not a form; it's an enabling practice. And then he gives us this story about the border crossing, and he says, you know, the guy's reading the minute, and beautiful. He's confronting the form, but experiencing my witness.
1: He says, "You can feel the witness
0: moving through it." Holy bolly, amen, Benigno. That's it. That's what we want, right? We want these things done, not because we're supposed to do them, but because they give way to that peaceable power and an experience of the entrance into that reign, where the kind of the occasion for war is gone away, and we actually connect. There's a moment where this unlikely connection between Benigno standing in customs and this person reading one of our travel minutes is a crack open experience of, of, a, of a covered meeting, right? This, this perceptible entrance into that, that power. And I think, I think that's the test. Are we having those things happen? And we're not bad people if they're not, but that's what we want to chase after—that life.
1: Yes, I heard all that, and the other piece that I heard and loved is that he said that he felt like, in that moment, his monthly meeting was with him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That we and we and we get this as a gift, right? That's the thing. He's he's totally rocking the Samuel bonus here, right? But he uh, Benigno talks about um, how he understands. Samuel Bonuses' understanding of the gift as one of the most comprehensive takes on the idea of that of God in anyone, right? There's that, 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 that this stuff that we receive, we don't get just because we're working at it. We get it as a gift, as a grace, as a, as a unrequited present.
1: The gift comes, it blossoms and is called out of you.
0: Right. And then it fruits and gives back, right? I mean, that's the, That's the joy of it here.
1: Right. And he points to his growth in the spirit as partly that he was surrounded by the right Quakers. Yes. And he also called others who weren't experienced Quakers into a forum to sit with him to be a sounding board for his discernment. And the experience was that inviting them into that forum, they grew into their gifts of eldership.
0: Thanks very much to Benigno Sanchez Epler. We're really grateful for you sitting down with Christina and being part of this project.
1: Yes, thank you so much for an incredibly enlivening conversation and for the uh, hospitality.
0: My name is Khaled keefe Perry.
1: I'm Christina Keith perry
0: And you've been listening to On Carrying a Concern.
1: Stories of friends called into service.
0: We are able to make this podcast as a result of the financial support of New England Yearly Meetings Legacy Gift Fund.
1: Also with support from the Obadiah Brown Benevolent Fund.
0: And Salem Quarterly Meeting.
1: We're also really grateful to the support from Fresh Pond Meeting, who hold the care and accountability committees that support both Khaled and I.
0: Thanks so much to the friends at Fresh Pond and to all of you out there who are listening and sharing the show. We'd love to hear from you. If you have had thoughts or have had conversations uh, spurned on as a result of the the shows so far, please just drop us a line, a tweet, an email, a letter, um, whatever, we'd love to hear how folks are making use of this so we can pass that information along to others as well. So however um, you're making use of it, if at all or concerns or good thoughts or goodwill or ill will, whatever it is, let us know. We'd love to hear some feedback from y'all.
1: And you can get in touch with us on our webpage, the contact page, which is OCACshow.org. You can also reach us through Facebook,
0: on carrying a concern you can just type it in the search bar
1: and you can listen to the shows on our website also on google play and itunes
0: thanks folks and we'll hear from you next week no you'll hear from us yeah next week you'll hear from us again